This is episode number 136 with food babe, Bonnie Hari. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Thanks, everyone, for joining me today on this episode. Very pumped to bring on my good friend, Vonnie Hari. We had a great sit down here in New York City, and she has an amazing book that's coming out right now. If you're listening to it the day this is launched, it's coming out like the day after in this whole week. So it's called The Food Babe Way. So make sure to check it out. We'll be talking about it throughout this entire episode and asking her lots of different questions about the chemicals that are in our foods, what really is healthy for us, how you can start shifting some of the things to have a healthier lifestyle in the way you're eating. And also we talk about her approach to building such a massive following with quitting her job and taking this on over the last couple of years. Also how you can make a change in your life if something is upsetting you or you believe something is not right in the world. How you can really take it on and make a real difference in the lives of millions of people. Very excited about this. I hope you enjoy this one. Make sure to stick around to the end for some more goodies and updates. But let's go ahead and dive into this episode with the one and only Bonnie Hari. Welcome everyone back to the School of Greatness podcast. Very excited. I've got my good friend Bonnie Hari. How's it going? Good. How are you doing, Louis? Doing great. We're in New York City. Yes. And we originally met in Los Angeles, right? Through, I think Derek introduced us, Derek Halpern. Yeah, but you know, I feel like I've known you for a really long time. Another and when life. I first saw you online, I was like, I have known him for a like another life or something, wow. you know. Like Why do you that. feel like that? I don't know. There's something about you. And how weird is it? The first time we went to dinner, mm-hmm. we hung out after dinner and went investigated together. We did. I mean, if that's not like a kindred spirit, <laughs> I don't know what is. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> we went to Starbucks. We walked down the street in West Hollywood and went to Starbucks. And you were doing like a campaign right then about Starbucks because they were using ingredients in like a caramel latte or something? Or yeah, in their that? Frappuccino, they're using caramel color level four, which is crazy because this coffee, why are you coloring it with artificial dye, okay. right? <laughs> right, right. Well, this artificial dye, according to all of these different consumer health organizations, have found that it's it has a small cancer risk associated with mm. it. So it doesn't make sense for Starbucks to use this ingredient. Right, and right. they can obviously color it normal. And you know what was really crazy? is that in the UK, when they sell pumpkin spice lattes or their frappuccinos, they don't use this chemical there. Why not? Because their citizens in other countries use the precautionary principle. And so they wow. don't allow that those type of chemicals to be used. Wow. Is yeah. it not government regulated here? Or what's why are we allowed to use them here and not in the UK? Well, we all know that... Uh, the government here is heavily influenced by industry. Mm. And just like the banking industry, well, the food industry is also heavily influencing government in Washington. Is that because there's a lot of money being donated or what's that? Why are they influenced? 
Well, uh, <laughs> that is a What's big the question. <laughs> What's the theory? <laughs> the theory is, is that unfortunately our government officials need money to uh -huh. run for office. And uh -huh. so a lot of times they're co-opted by these big industry, um, industries like the banking industry and food industry. And so it's, and it's really funny that, you know, the people who used to work in the food industry also are working in the government now. Like mm. the deputy commissioner of the FDA, Michael Taylor, used to work for Monsanto. Wow. So, you know, you see all these like revolving doors happening where they go in industry and then they get in the government and then they go back to industry. And so like they're all these like really incestuous relationships mm. and it's really not good for the public. Sure, sure. Okay, yeah. cool. Well, you talk a lot about this in your new book, which is called The Food Babe Way. And it's how to break free from the hidden toxins in your food and lose weight, look years younger, and get healthier in just 21 days. You've got a lot of information in here. And I want to talk about first how you got involved in this whole food investigative journalism reporting, uh, you know, changing the world in the first place. So you used to work in corporate America as a consultant. Is that right? Or where did you work? That's right. I was a okay. consultant. So... Right out of school, got an amazing job working for a big six consulting firm, Accenture. Okay. And, um, in and, Charlotte or? Yeah, in Charlotte, but they put me on the road. So it was the financial services office and they put me on the road and, um, I traveled all over the United States working at different banks, basically. Okay. And, you know, when I majored in computer science, I never thought I would be working in banks. Uh -huh. I thought I would be like selling software or developing things or, you know, but instead I was working in big banks and what I really, quickly realized is my skill set was actually working with the management teams. Okay. So I worked with C-level executives to help them change aspects about a company. Mm. So they wanted to merge with a new company. I helped them with that transition or they wanted to change an organizational structure. I helped them with that. Okay. And so that's really where my skill sets um, were. And so for 13 years, I was a management consultant. Wow. And um, it wasn't until I finally realized that Fighting for a better food system needs me more than the corporation. Why did you realize that? Was it something with your health? Were you not feeling good? Or were you, what was happening? Well, the reason I started foodbabe.com, uh -huh. and it, believe me, I wasn't going to call it foodbabe.com. I wanted to call it eathealthylivefforever.com. It's a good name, too. <laughs> yeah. my, uh, my husband, who's the technologist in the family, thought that was a really stupid name and nobody uh -huh. would remember it. Okay. And um, so he said, well, what about food babe? And I thought to myself, like, what? No, I'm not calling myself the food babe. And, you know, most of my life, I look nothing like a babe. And Lewis, <laughs> I'll send you the before picture so you can use it. But okay. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. Um, my mom just recently dropped off a bunch of um, old photos and um, trophies and other things from my old room at home because she was just sick of it being there. Uh -huh. And I'm, I'm 35 <laughs> now. God, I'm telling everyone how old I am. But my stuff is still back home. So she finally dropped it all off. And I was looking through pictures mm -hmm. and I couldn't believe some of the pictures wow. I found the about way the way I looked and that I haven't seen in so many years because wow. I remember when I was in my 20s when I had a big health crisis. I remember throwing out a lot of pictures because I just didn't want to see myself that way anymore. Right. Uh, I had gained 30 pounds. I looked really bad. I had eczema all over my face. Mm. Um, and so when I looked back at these pictures that my mom dug up and found and was in this box, I showed them to my husband who's actually never seen me like that. Wow. And he couldn't believe it. And it was just, it's just shocking. But anyway, so 
going back to the name Food Babe, never thought of myself that way. So I'd even call a blog that was just very like I was just like very nervous about it.、Uh-huh. But I ended up calling my friends and、um, my really good girlfriends and saying, "Hey, what do you think about this name for a blog?" Because they're really the ones that wanted me to share this information.、Sure. They wanted to know my recipes and what I. Done to transform my life, and they knew that I was uncovering all this stuff about the food industry that I would tell them in tidbits when we'd go out to eat, or we'd be out shopping, or, or we'd be out, you know, traveling together. And they, they were like, "Well, why don't you know?" Like we, we kind of came up with this together. Like, why don't we teach people to become a food babe? Like,、mm-hmm. you know, teach people to become food babe. Their own food babe, right?、Yeah. So for the first year and a half of the blog, I never had my photo on the top header. I had these three cartoon characters. One was working out.、Huh, I never saw that. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, one was working out. One was like carrying a tray of something. Another one was drinking a martini. Okay. <laughs> Which has nothing to do with the health, really. But、um, anyways, I I blogged about working out. I blogged about what I was eating, and I blogged about my travel because that was really one of my great passions. Still to this day, is、yeah. one of my great passions. I love to see the world. You know, I've been to all seven continents with my husband. Wow,、and、that's so, cool. Yeah, and so whenever you know, it's funny like. We were both consultants, and so any time that you know we would save a little money, we would go travel with it.、Mm. We wouldn't buy a fancy car or a fancy place to live or anything like that. We always used the money to go with experience,、sure. and so we always picked a different place every single year. And so,、um, anyways, I love love traveling, and so wrote about that. And actually, one of my first blog posts is how to eat healthy on the road、mm. because I'd figured、so、out the tips. Right, I'd. Taught, like, basically taught myself. You know, how do you be on the road, fifty weeks out of the year or forty、mm. weeks out of the year when you're traveling out of your home, away from your kitchen,、right. away from your routine? How do you maintain your weight? How do you eat healthy? How do you avoid all the toxins that I discovered in food? Sure. And I started to teach myself these habits, and that's really what spawned everybody's asking questions around、mm. me. Like, why are you asking the server about MSG in your soup, or why are you bringing your lemon with you in your bag for the morning? Like,、right. and they were asking these questions, and、um, and so I wanted to teach them. I wanted to tell them how. And I tell you, at first. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know anything about <laughs> blogging. I didn't know that there were other bloggers like me out there that were、sure. writing about this kind of stuff. I didn't know that there's this huge online community. These people who are changing the world online,、mm-hmm. like yourself.、Mm, thanks. And and it was a really eye-opening experience because all I had been taught most of my life was, you know, you get a great job, you、yep. have a four hundred one k, you、yep. have a health insurance plan, and then you retire. Yeah. You make a lot of money and you make six figures. And I, I'd gotten to that, and I tell you, it wasn't fulfilling at all. And your health wasn't fulfilled either. No, and I tell you, my, my health was so horrible in、mm. that job early on that it really spawned this awakening that you know what, I'm not going to let any boss, any job get in my way. You know, when I went on the road initially right out of college. I was working close to eighty hours a week.、Mm. Sometimes working the night shift.、Um, we had this project, and it, this is kind of boring, but I'm just going to tell you what it is. <laughs> but we had this project where we had to convert twenty-seven different banks into one bank.、Mm. And so back then, when you like, let's say you were you lived in Georgia and you wanted to deposit a check in Tennessee, you couldn't do that back then,、mm. which is unheard of now. Like you think,、right. what? You can't do that. But back then, and this is over twelve years ago. Um, you couldn't do that. So we were converting those banks, and there's just 
tons of work, and it ended up being the project of the year, but it, it almost killed me. Wow. Um, so what were the things you were eating during this 80-hour work week? Like, what were the foods? Was it fast food? Man, was it? I ate everything. Okay. I'm talking, okay, every morning I would get a huge coffee. Uh -huh. Okay, I never drank coffee like that much in college, but I tell you, this job made me drink coffee. I had this huge cup of Did coffee. Did you put sugar and cream oh, and milk? Oh, 10 and... packets of sugar. No way. Yes. Every morning? Almost. I mean, wow. I remember always counting them and when I'd have to like Jeez. order out, like, can you make sure there's 10 packets of sugar? I mean, wow. this is crazy, okay. right? Um, so that was that's how breakfast. addicted, yeah. It, okay. Along with the big blueberry muffin okay. from the little coffee shop that okay. I would, would go to, right? Uh -huh. Or the Starbucks. And, um, and then I would have, for lunch, I'd have whatever they catered in. And every day it was mm. different. So one day would be this huge Italian spread. I mean, I'm talking chicken parmesan and a huge mm. thing of dessert tray, mm. like with tiramisu. Oh. And like, I mean, the most so richest good. food. But you're like, you're working like a dog. And yeah, they want to yeah. work you hard. They want you to build the client. Sure. So you're working through lunch. So you're grabbing, going, you're uh -huh. eating while you're working. You're not even, there's no mindfulness going yeah. on whatsoever. Yeah. And then at dinner, since we were on the expense account, a lot of times our bosses would take us out and we would go to big steakhouses and you know I don't I don't eat beef because I just gave that up a long time ago but I would get you know the huge lobster tail with oh. the big bowl of butter and I would eat all, all of bread. that butter and the butter's not bad for you it's just that amount was kind of insane and all of the bread and the so butter good. yes and then the big cheesecake at the end of the oh. night I mean this is a typical day and then when I was working night shift because there's nothing open there's a Krispy Kreme nearby. Oh, don't even give me a yes, start on the Krispy Kreme. Yes, I could eat six yes. of those in like two minutes. And it wasn't like I was an uh, like an overeater or uh -huh. like or I had like a problem with eating or anything. I was just eating to get full yeah. so that I could get back to work. Right. It wasn't even like it just was. I was really eating what people were putting in front of me, and sure. I really wasn't taking control of that. So how was your health during this time? Like, what was happening? What was coming up for you? Was it like, were well, you just low energy, or did you actually see physical, uh, you know, things happening to your body? Well, that was... I noticed that um, my face started getting bigger, mm, right? I took yes. this, oh. I took... Gluten face. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's called. like marshmallow man face. It was. This the first place I gained weight. I tell you, is my face. But um, so my face started getting bigger, and it was really, really, really horrible because I remember taking a passport photo, and you know, passports stay good for like over ten, 10 years. years. Right? It's, yeah, like it's like ten years. Taking up the whole square. It's like cheeks to the edge. Yeah, and and so. I thankfully lost that passport. You don't have it anymore? I don't have oh, it. I don't have it. it. I lost it on a trip, so I was like, thank goodness I'm not going to that photo anymore. But yeah, it was actually a horrible photo. Mm. It was really bad. But anyways, um, I gained weight, felt horrible. I remember my mood really changing, like just not feeling happy about life, you know? Mm. And um, one night I was home. I'd just eaten a Chick-fil-A sandwich, no joke. Why is Chick-fil-A um, so good? Uh, I'll tell you that later. Um and um, I had a terrible pain in my side. And I called my parents to help, like call my brother first and then called my parents to come take me to the emergency room. And the first doctor who saw me said nothing was wrong. I mean, I was in so much pain. Yeah. 
and said nothing was wrong. We think one of your ovaries is moving. It's no mm. big deal. Yeah. Take some Advil and go home. Okay. Like, literally sent me home. So, thankfully, my parents just didn't feel right about what was going on and asked me to see another doctor the next morning. Went straight to my normal doctor. He uh, said that I had appendicitis, was pretty much 100% wow. sure, and that I would need to have a emergency surgery immediately. No so, way. I was rolled into the emergency room like an hour later. You had surgery. And had surgery. Wow. And it was the night it was so crazy, and you might, you know, you might identify with this since you're single and stuff. But it was a night where I was supposed to go to this party where it's like this huge gala. Everyone dresses up. It's uh-huh. December. It's the holidays. Sure. And you donate gifts to kids, and everyone, like, mingles and has a good time. And I really wanted to meet a guy, right? <laughs> yeah. And um, And I just remember, like... Waking up from my surgery and knowing that, like, my friends, some of them were there at that party. I mean, some of them knew that what was happening to me and they were at the hospital, so they right. missed the party. Right. But just knowing that, like, whoa, I'm in my early 20s. I am out of shape. I look like this. I just had my appendix taken out. Wow. This is not how I want to live. Yeah. And... I just remember while I was recovering for the next couple of weeks, while everybody else is going out shopping for the holidays uh-huh. and having more parties, I couldn't get up out of bed because it hurt so bad. Wow. And my body was so inflamed that it took me longer than typical people to, to recover from appendicitis huh. surgery so, or an appendectomy. So, so what was happening during this recovery time? Were you like, okay, as enough is enough, like I need to shift something, or were you still well, eating bad food? I started food? to started to read, uh-huh. and I started to remember this information I'd learned in high school. In high school, I was a top-tiered ranked debater. Um, wow. I was number one in state three years in a row, got wow. recruited to college to be on one of the top debate teams. Okay. I ended up quitting because listened to advice of... Um, people around me that said, you know, you're not going to get a job debating. You need to get something practical, uh, practical sure, degree. Sure. So I listened to them. But but one of the year's topic was healthcare, And healthcare. Um, I used that information and you had to, you had to debate affirmative and negative of the year's topic. Sure. So it was to determine whether the United States should have a comprehensive healthcare policy. Interesting. And I just remember how screwed up the healthcare system was. <laughs> and I was using that information to win debate rounds. But I wasn't using it for my own health. And it was that kind of like, I started thinking like, oh my gosh, remember that information about the food? Like just started asking questions about how do I get healthy? What are the best foods to put in my body to get back to a healthy body? And I, you know, and I didn't really know what a healthy body was, which is really screwed up. I was like a zombie. You know, I grew up on industrial processed food. My mom and dad did not know how to cook American food sure. because they're both from India. Yeah. And so they really used the help of Betty Crocker and McDonald's so yeah. that we could fit in. Yep. And so I had health ailments my whole life. You know, wow. I was always on prescription drugs, so I didn't know what life was. You just could thought it was normal like. that it was something else while you were on drugs. Right. right. I had no idea it was food. But I tell you, as soon as I started cleaning up my food, the weight came off, wow. the allergies went away, the asthma went away. The eczema went away. Wow. My skin became clear. Mm. I skin I never thought I'd have. Right. And, and you lost the marshmallow face. <laughs> I, <guess>. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. I lost that face. And I tell you, um, one of my aunts to this day still can't 
believe my transformation. Wow. She says to my cousin all the time, she says, yeah, I think she had work done. It just doesn't make sense. She doesn't oh, look man. at anything like she did when she was younger. Sure. And I tell you, I didn't have any work done. It was pure just paying attention to my food yeah. and making sure that I wasn't eating the chemical garbage the food industry was putting into our food. Wow. And I decided to take back control. And that is what created this beast called sure. Food Babe. <laughs> And I tell you, in this passion, you know, um, a year before I started the blog, my mother-in-law died of cancer. Mm. And when you spend a whole week in a hospital room saying yeah. goodbye to someone that you love yeah. so much, and I tell you, my mother-in-law wasn't like the typical mother-in-law that you hear about. She was like my own mother. I mean, yeah. she was just a remarkable woman. And um, seeing her courage and seeing her fight that whole week and being there, was the scariest thing I've ever witnessed in my whole life. Mm. And so that happened a year before. And then my own dad di got diagnosed with cancer. Mm. And so my passion for getting this information out just grew stronger. Yeah. And, and these um, were food-related cancer? Or? I mean, we don't know, right? We don't know how. Probably had a big effect right? On, right? But my dad, I tell you, has not lived a very healthy life. Um, with the know, food he's putting in his system. Yeah, 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 and he's been my biggest challenge. And I tell you, your family's always the it's, biggest challenge. Yeah, exactly. But um, so started Food Babe. This started, was only a couple years ago. Yeah, and, and, and I just started writing about things I was really passionate about, and I started to realize I had a knack of asking questions nobody was asking before. Mm. Like, like, what were some of the questions? Well, no one had really asked Chipotle, I guess, publicly, online, mm. um, what's in your food? You say your food's with integrity, but what's actually in your food? What are the ingredients? No one had done that. And do some of these previous. companies not show ingredients? I thought they have to show ingredients, don't well, they? Well, um, they or don't. Or do they hide them, or it's like they really don't. hard to find? Actually, or, you know, really? they don't. Not all of them do. And so there's big, huge companies like Papa John's mm. who don't release their ingredients online. However, their competitors like Domino's and Pizza Hut do. Okay. And um, Chipotle, back then, when I started asking the questions, didn't. Right. And thankfully, because of my investigations, they started labeling their ingredients GMO or not, and wow. started removing some of the bad ingredients, and they're getting rid of the majority of bad ingredients I, I wrote about, the ones that were very controversial. When I realized someone as large as Chipotle or Chick-fil-A or Kraft or any of these big companies were listening to someone like me, I knew I could no longer stay at that job. And you started this at the other job that you were doing, right? And then it started, and it started to pick up. Yeah. And I remember when I first heard about you, it was something about craft. Like you basically changed the whole thing that craft does now. And uh, I want to talk about that in a second. But I also saw, a, I remember you doing a video, like eating a yoga mat and then <laughs> and talking about some word that I can't pronounce. And then later, seeing like three months later, seeing Subway come out with a commercial saying they no longer have that ingredient because you were specifically talking about it. And I thought to myself, wow, if one person can create enough of a conversation so that a large company like a Subway or a Kraft or Chipotle or Chick-fil-A listens and takes action to change something, I said, that is really powerful. And uh, you've worked in kind of solving a lot of the issues with Kraft, Subway, Chipotle, Chick-fil-A, and Starbucks and having them change their ingredients. And what was the thing with Kraft? What actually happened? Well, one of the things I realized, um, as soon as I quit my job, which was the scariest thing ever, I by bet. the way, because I, I wasn't 
this was a pure passion project. So I didn't know how to sustain myself when I quit my job. And I was in the house uh, and I was sitting here and I'm living in the condo surrounded by the banks that I used to work with in downtown Charlotte and going, oh my God, I have no boss. I have no job. And I'm a food activist now. Wow, this is crazy. I cannot believe I'm doing this. You know, when you're working on a passion project out, you know, and you're also working in the corporate world, you're not putting your 100% effort into it, even though it's like kind of taking over your world and your thought and you're sitting at work and you're thinking about your next investigation instead of what you're supposed to be doing. Like that started to happen, but I was still like straddling these two jobs, right? You had to take the leap. Right. And then when you put your 100% focus Mm -hmm. in something, wow, the doors just start opening. Sure. And so the first thing I started to investigate was how food in Europe is healthier than the United States. What has happened is Europe has been um, regulated on a precautionary principle that these chemicals are considered guilty before they're innocent. Here in the United States, they're innocent until proven guilty. And so in Europe, there are several chemicals that are either banned or not used or have warning labels. And one of those chemicals is artificial food dyes, yellow okay. five, yellow six, red They don't 40. use any of them there? Or they're labeled specifically with a well, warning? Well, they label them with a warning. Okay. So um, they are banned in certain countries. But wow. in the UK, they have a requirement that you have to put a warning label on it that says may cause adverse effects in activity and attention in children. It's kind so, of like c- cigarettes, basically yeah. a warning on a cigarette box. Right. But it's a warning on a box of candy or a box of mac and cheese. Like if you were to import a box of mac and cheese from the United States to the UK and and sold it in a specialty store, it would have to have that warning. But you know what Kraft did to try to get away with without putting that warning? They reformulated their product without yellow five and yellow six and used real ingredients, paprika and beta carotene. For, for European citizens, but not for us. Why not? So they found out that there was this health issue, right, associated with mm. especially children. Who Who's the biggest population of mac and cheese eaters in this country? Children. Children. Yeah. And to say, you know what, instead of putting that warning label on the box, we're just going to reformulate for them, and we're not going to do it for all of these millions of people in the United States is immoral and unethical. So why did they do that? Because it's a lot more expensive to put the natural ingredients in, I'm assuming? It is a little bit more cost, but in the long run, it's not that much. I mean, these corporations are making billions of dollars right, right, collectively. Exactly. So it's um, it's really unfortunate hmm. that these companies have gone unregulated like this, and it's up for us consumers to hold them accountable. Sure, because if we keep buying, they'll keep selling it to us. That's right, yeah. that's right. And so I started a petition and... Um, Against Kraft. Yes, to remove these artificial food dyes. And I tell you, it was... So you weren't saying don't don't make mac and cheese anymore, no, don't no, sell us no, this. No. You were just saying take these specific ingredients out right. that other countries don't have in their foods. We should be able to eat junk food without the risk of hyperactivity sure. or cancer because some of these artificial food yeah. dyes are contaminated with carcinogens. You know, we should be able to have things without them harming us. Right. And so I tell you that period of time really changed me because what I realized quickly, we the petition got over 200,000 signatures in a week. Amazing. So and you posted on your site or online with yep, the petition and people right. and sign on, on change.org. I actually okay. used change.org back then. And they were an amazing partner. Um, 
And they really helped carry the message. And they really helped guide me, too. I'm like, what do you do? How do you do a petition? And how do you do all these things? And now, actually, I'm teaching some of those principles people, in yeah. this book. Like, sure. how, how do you start your own petition? Interesting. Okay. Yeah, there's, a, really there's cool. an appendix in the back. Um, Very cool. Of, in the back of the book. But um, So what happened with these 200,000 names? Did you say... Aircraft, like, look at this, or what was the next step? Well, they continued to be really um, basically sending us PR. Can I say bullshit on this program? PR bullshit to us. And actually, the story of what happened when I went to go deliver those petitions to their headquarters is the first introduction chapter in this book. And it's, it's, it's gut wrenching. Okay. Um, you know, I don't hold back okay. on how I felt right. when that was happening. Sure. And um, the the really unfortunate thing with Kraft is that they weren't really willing to hear all of these consumers. Now this mm. petition has close to four hundred thousand signatures wow. still to this day. They're starting to slowly take out the artificial food dyes. They've taken it out for kids products, and they've taken it out for their deluxe products. And I think they're going to eventually get rid of the rest. Sure. It's just going to take them some time. But you know what's really uh, the most critical point of that petition, what it taught me, is that there are thousands of people really being affected by these issues. Mm. Thousands of parents sent me letters. Their kids' asthma went away. Their kids' wow. eczema went away. Their kids' activity improved at school. Their kids got off their ADHD medication. Their their autism lessened, the, the, the symptoms of autism. I mean, right. let personal letters from parents. I actually took those with me printed them all out. It was mm. a stack this big. Took them to with me to Dr. Oz, the show, and wow. and like waved them in the air on camera at Kraft. And what happened? Well, that's when I had to go deliver those those letters and that petition. And when sure. I was carrying those boxes of signatures, I mean, I really felt the weight of those parents mm. and those children that have been affected by artificial food dyes. And yeah. it still remains a problem today. And a problem that I'm going to continue to fight for. Wow. That's incredible. What do you feel like has been the biggest challenge with all these companies that you've been addressing with the artificial ingredients or the ingredients that are healthy? What do you feel like has been the biggest challenge so far? Which company has been the biggest challenge to work with? Which, uh, you know, and which one has been the most uh, enjoyable, I guess, if you could say that, to work with or has been actually willing to listen to you and take your counsel and say, okay, we do want to make changes. What are some suggestions? So let's, let's start with the positive. So, uh, a few years ago, there was something in my fridge that I had no idea what was in it. Uh-huh. And it was a bottle of Newcastle beer. Everything else I knew what was in it, but the Newcastle beer had no ingredient list. Mm. And I was like, well, why doesn't it have an ingredient list? And knowing what I knew about the food industry and how GMOs have infiltrated everything. What's GMO stand for, just so people know? A genetically modified organism. Okay. And have just been... Where scientists know, have created an ingredient... To then go into the food. That's right. It's a it's a new species of plant, that's basically. Not, they've they've that injected. We that's right. That's yes. not from nature. This yes. is this is in a laboratory. They inject either DNA or insecticide or some other type of uh, concoction and put it into a seed and then grow that as new. Amazing. Okay. So and, and the problem isn't so much that technology. It's not even about that. It's about the, the fact that they're paired with an increase in pesticides. So the chemical companies who have developed those seeds are the same chemical companies selling the pesticides. Okay. So it's a pesticide issue. It's really not about 
It's not about GMO. It's not about biotechnology. Okay. It, it's really about the pesticides. And the pesticides is what is really causing a huge environmental impact and the, the rise in cancer rates. If you look gotcha. at the president's cancer panel, who independently looks at cancer rates, has said that 41% of us are destined to have cancer. Some of those reasons wow. can be related back to these environmental toxins. With pesticides, one of them. So if it says GMO, does that mean it has pesticides attached to a GMO? Or so the GMO, is the GMO bad or is it just a pen? It, well, it, I mean, it is creating new proteins that uh -huh. have never before existed. So it's different for your body to yes, digest right. and it, it may react There, there are certain studies that show different things. And okay. what's really concerning to me is that there's no mandatory safety testing on GMO crops in this country before they're introduced. All the other countries around the world, they have Our this. They, they they require it or they label it, right? Okay. They either say no, you can't you can't sell this here, or you can't uh, grow this here, or we have to label it so consumers or have to warning, know. Warning: This may cause certain right. issues. But here in the United States, these companies are spending millions of dollars to prevent their name from being on there. Mm. Like they don't want an, us to know sure. that genetically modified foods. I mean, think about it. The Super Bowl is happening, right? It's, yeah. it's around this time of year. And think about all of the companies that spent millions of dollars to put their name right sure. there front and center. The biotech com companies and the chemical companies are trying to take their name away from this. They're sure. trying to hide this from us. Wow. So you've got to wonder, why are they trying to hide so much? I'm interested though, you know, cigarettes, they have a, a big tax on, I believe here in New York, they have a big tax on them to buy cigarettes. And also they have a big warning label. And a lot of them have like people with like cancer on them. It says you will, you know, cigarettes cause death even maybe. I'm not even sure exactly what they say, but there's big warnings on them, but people still do it. Do you think if those warnings were on our food labels uh, in the U.S. that we would still eat it? Just like people are addicted to cigarettes? Well, the that? GMO label is not even a warning label. It's just a uh, transparency label uh -huh. just to know what gotcha. you're buying. Gotcha. I mean, it's like how you know that you're drinking orange juice from concentrate. Okay. We should know if our food's genetically engineered. And yeah. so when, um, when these same food companies did this in Europe, they're still selling food there. It's just labeled there. Gotcha. So consumers You're more know. educated. Yeah, gotcha. absolutely. Okay. So cool. so it's not, you know, this is a smart business decision for companies, especially to give them this information. But right. I tell you, there's something funny going on if they want to hide it so bad. So that's okay. that's your first kind of, when you start to investigate, you kind of wonder, well, what's going on here? And okay. when you look deeper into some of the studies that have been done, they're very alarming and very concerning. And now we're seeing the main ingredient, Roundup, which has glyphosate in it, in human breast milk, Whoa. which is a huge toxin. I mean, linked to autoimmune disorders, cancers, all sorts hmm. of things. So this is a huge issue. But okay. going back to that Newcastle, Newcastle beer. Tell me about it. I had no idea what was in it. Sure. So I was like, why don't, why don't beer, why doesn't beer, alcohol, wine, liquor, why doesn't any of it have ingredient labels. Why can't I know what makes this raspberry flavored vodka or this beer? And so I started to investigate because it was the one thing that was in my fridge that I, I wasn't personally drinking. My husband was drinking. I care about his health and was looking into what was in there. And I remember going, it took me over a year, almost maybe, maybe a little bit less or a little bit over a year to quiz the beer companies enough to even write an article about what I found out about the beer industry. And what I found out was shocking. Hmm. Most of it had GMO corn added to it. So it's not the basic ingredients of beer, 
you know, mm-hmm. all, malt, barley, you know, et cetera, yeast and water. Um, it had it had caramel coloring added to it so they could use a different kind of malt. Just like Starbucks. Yes, just like Starbucks. And um, it had artificial dyes added to it. Uh-huh. It had um, different types of propylene glycol um, added to it, which is a derivative of antifreeze. There was things that vegan and vegetarian people would be concerned about. Isinglass, which is produced from a fish swim bladder. Mm-hmm. Um, carrageenan, which is linked to intestinal inform- inflammation. So all of these things were in beer that I had no idea what was in it. Because it wasn't on the label. It wasn't on the label. So I felt like this needed to change. That okay. blog post, when I wrote it, went so crazy viral. Uh-huh. Millions of people saw it. And I realized that people are really fed up with this. And so I reached out to Anheuser-Busch and Miller Coors. And at first, they wouldn't respond back to me. They gave me the the basic mumbo jumbo, sorry, we're not gonna release our ingredients, we're not gonna tell you because it's proprietary information. But as soon as I did a petition and got close to, I think, 40,000 signatures overnight, oh my gosh, they responded. And it, the first to respond was Anheuser-Busch. And they were, when you asked who was really nice to work with, mm-hmm. they were incredible to work with. Wow. They, um, they emailed me right away. And I told this whole story on the blog. So if you look at old blog sure. posts, you can read this story. But they emailed me right away and they invited me to their headquarters. To, In St. Louis? Yes. Yeah. And to learn about their processes. Interesting. And look at their ingredients and meet their head brewmasters. So, you know, I went and did that. Uh, on my own diamond dollar, you know, wasn't consulting or anything like that. I went there and I met with them and I've been trying to convince them to develop an organic beer that isn't contaminated with any GMO ingredients. So That's interesting. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, are they taking any ingredients out or are they doing anything different or is it still the same thing? Well, are they, they labeling it? Well, they are posting all of their ingredients online okay. now. Um, they've slowly started adding all all the beers on there. I think they're almost all the way up there. So if you go to tapindoyourbeer.com, I think that's their website, okay. you can see what's in their beer. And some of the things are, you know, really bizarre, like high fructose corn syrup in my beer. I had no idea. Right. You know? I mean, think about all the people who read um, packages and avoid high fructose corn syrup, and they had no idea that they were drinking it in beer. Sure. Now they do. So there are arguments that uh, even organic food is contaminated from rain and the soil. So can you speak about what organic actually means, and is it actually healthy for you if it can be contaminated still? without these other uh, you know, pesticides or things controlling the food. Yeah, so let's just start with defining organic food. Organic food is grown without growth hormone that's linked to cancer. It's uh-huh. talked about in my book. It's one of the sickening 15. Yes. It's grown without antibiotics, another sickening 15. Mm-hmm. It's grown without artificial the, the ingredients. 15, the 15 ingredients that wreak havoc on your weight, beauty, and health. That's what you're talking about, that's the sickening right. 15. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, so to make sure you don't have those. Right. Well, let's just talk about antibiotics for just a second yeah. here. So there's this groundbreaking study that Martin Blazer um, talks about in his book called Missing Microbes that shows that when we have overexposure to antibiotics, whether it's in our water or in mm-hmm. our air or it's given to us, you know, as a child, the overuse of it, like when we don't need it, or sometimes it's passed through meat or dairy. You know, they test for it, but sometimes it's passed. They found that that to be the case. We can actually start to change our metabolism for the mm-hmm. worse. 
So we start to gain weight. And in his book, he his research is just groundbreaking when it comes to this. And actually our metas- metabolism starts to change and our gut bacteria starts to change to the point where we can't metabolize fat as, as much. Huh. And so... With... Um, when we, when we have... What did you say? When we put what in our foods? Antibiotics. Antibiotics, yes. Yes, there are some pesticides on organic food, but it's not the really super toxic ones. And then, and then the other thing that I love about organic food is it prohibits a slew of those artificial ingredients. The azodicarbonamide that was in Subway bread. You can't use that in organic food. Artificial food dyes that were in craft that's linked to hyperactivity in children. Can't use that in organic food. So when you buy USDA organic food, you're mostly getting real, unadulterated food. Okay. The fact that we have to call it organic is kind of sad if you think about it. Because everything should be organic. Right. So when you choose organic food, you're automatically eliminating your exposure to all of those potential toxins, but also you start to promote the reduction of pesticides in our environment as a whole, and that has a tremendous impact on our farmland, on the farmer's health, on the children's health, on our water health. You talk about how soil can be contaminated. It can, but I tell you, if majority of our farms were not uh, were organic, that wouldn't happen as much. Mm. Interesting. Man. Okay, here's a question for you. To get a sense of worst case scenario, if you had to make a decision, oh, gosh. would you rather eat the non-organic piece of produce or eat healthy packaged food? Would it be <laughs> organic? Packaged food or what is it? <laughs> Healthy packaged food or uh, non-organic piece of like produce, something available. I'd probably eat real food. Real food. Yeah, because okay. anytime something gets into a package, it's been processed, the nutrients have been diminished. Uh-huh. Um, so even if it's, it's not organic, yeah. you still eat it. Okay. Right. Like it's if somebody were to give me, um, let's say, an apple, a non-organic apple versus a healthy choice frozen meal, uh-huh. I'd eat the apple. package good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I always tend to go towards whole real food okay. versus packaged processed. Healthy processed. Because okay. as soon as it's in the plastic, it's in the paper. It's, it's already the... got a strike against it. <laughs> oh, and there's a whole chapter in here dedicated to what happens to food that's not even the stuff that is on the label, the mm. stuff that's not labeled that happens to food that gets in our food and in our bodies. That's okay. really important for people to understand. Okay. Tell me about your name. Because your name really means voice, isn't that right? Bonnie means voice. I find it fitting that your name is now coming to fruition over the last few years with you using your voice and so with something you're passionate about. Do you find that interesting? Do you feel like this was like what you were born for or do you feel like it's just coincidence? Gosh, that's a deep question. Um, What's really interesting is that most of my life I hated my name Mm. because no one could pronounce it correctly. Am I pronouncing it correctly? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Gosh, we've known each other. Hopefully I'm saying it right. Oh, by the way, for the last couple of years. So, um, no, um, you know, no one's been able to pronounce it. And I didn't really grow to love it until I started to really find myself and find my voice. And it just, it, you know, my mom, my mom likes to say she, she planned this all out, sure, of course, sure. right? Um, but I tell you, I think I'm just, I, I count my blessings every single day that I've been able to find my calling in life. Like why I was put on this earth to try to make a difference. 
And I hope other people find it too. Mm. And, and one of the things that I realized very quickly is there's no way if I wasn't taking care of my body and feeling really great and being healthy that I would have had enough brain power or enough energy to even take on what I'm doing yeah. and even go from someone who was working all day to doing this at night and doing this on the weekends to now doing it full time all the time and working more than I've ever worked in my life. Uh, harder than I've ever worked in my life. Yeah. I mean, the last year writing this book, oh my gosh. I never feel like <laughs> <laughs> And um, it's just, I know I would never be able to do that if I wasn't taking care of myself. And so when I think about teaching the principles in the Food Babe way to everyone out there, I'm really hoping that they get so healthy and so mm. strong in their own body that they figure out what their true calling is. Mm. Because I really do think that like, you should think about like what you want to leave, what impact you want to leave on the world. And I tell you, working in that cubicle and working for those C-level executives at the bank, I wasn't leaving my impact on the yeah. world. Now I'm really leaving an impact on the world. I'm trying to get the world healthier, trying to wake up everyone's eyes about what's in our food so that they start to ask questions. I'm not trying to take anybody's food away. I'm just trying to make it the, the healthiest it can be and still taste amazing and mm. still be the junk food, but just without the toxins. Right. And, you know, the Food Babe way is not about deprivation. You know, I, you've eaten with me. You know yes. I love dessert. <laughs> I can take it to some dessert. It's about the right ingredients in the junk food, the bad, the bad food for you. Yeah. Knowing that you're not putting the worst ingredients in there. Right. That's yeah. right. And, and there's a way to live and not exposed yourself to that. And I've taught myself the principles and I can't imagine not everyone knowing what I know. And that's what mm. is in this book. And I tell you, it really shocked me when I started to do some of the investigative material, the new investigative material that's in this book, like finding out what's in the Olive Garden breadsticks, endless breadsticks, pasta and, oh. and salad. You know, finding out what's actually in there. So my parents' favorite lunch to like to have on the weekends, you know. Um, it's devastating yeah. to find out the truth about what's in this food. But I tell you, once you know that, you can't unlearn it. Mm. And that's what I really hope for everybody who reads this book, is that once you know what's in your food, you can't unlearn it. Mm. Do you feel that mastering your health and what you put in your body is the first step to being able to then find your voice if you don't have it yet and then to be able to have the energy to move towards it? I absolutely think that because I think it all has to do with self-confidence too. Like I tell you, I didn't have a lot of self-confidence looking the way I looked back in the day. And Marshmallow the face way. wasn't confident. <laughs> <laughs> it really wasn't. It really, it wasn't who I was. You know, I feel when I look back at that time, I feel like I was in an alien body. Wow. I was in, I was like a zombie walking through life. And to think I spent more than half of my life like that, it kills me. And I can't just sit back and watch others not realize their full potential. Mm. Because I tell you, I'm not, you know, I'm not living a life of deprivation. I eat and I love food and I eat all amazing types of things. And, and, but, but I also am feel so good and have so much energy that I'm able to do so much more with my yeah. life. But it's about living that long. And like really, truly like having a quality of life, not yeah. being hooked up to machines, not yeah. being in a nursing home, yeah, um, being able to do not having you cancer, want. yeah, not yeah. having cancer. And if I can do whatever I can to prevent that, I really want to try. I know it's not 100% preventable, 
because it yeah. could be anything. We don't have the answers. But when we know that some of these things can be linked to it, it makes sense to. Yeah, it's about setting yourself up to win to the best of your ability. You know, making sure you understand, you're educated, you're putting in the ingredients that matter that we know about at least. Yeah. And uh, setting yourself up to win. Yeah. So I've got a couple questions left for you, Bonnie. Um, and the first one is about your approach in getting your voice out there and your message out there. And sometimes I'll share your information on my Facebook page. And I'll have a friend from college say some really nasty things about you. Like I they'll say, I can't believe you're posting about her or promoting her information. She's the way she goes about things is negative and this and that. And they'll have some really nasty things to say. And I'm like, whoa, I'm really taken back because I know you and we're friends. And do you feel like, and I know you have a lot of people that are against your message and your mission. You have this huge food babe army that's for you and that supports you and that signs these petitions, but then there are a few people that aren't so supportive. Why do you think these people are not supportive? And do you think there is an approach that you could take slightly different to gain their, uh, their support of you? Or do you think that you don't need their support? Well, I think the, the reason why there is so much talk about the food mm -hmm. babe, right? They they really want to make it about me uh -huh. as opposed to the message. The message, yeah. And, Try to take down the messenger. Right, they do. They want to attack the messenger. And, you know, the thing is, is I'm not bringing up too many new things. Yeah, I investigate it differently. I find out new things about certain food companies. But the research behind the chemicals is clear. It's from Consumers Union, it's from the Environmental Working Group, it's from the Center of Science and Public Interest. I stand on the shoulders of these experts, basically shouting out loud their information in a consumer-focused way, yes. relating it back to products so that it's not just some weird chemical that they're talking about. Yeah. It's an actual product. It's the you know, it's the Danon in your, or, or the Yoplait or the, you know, whatever, the, the yogurt in your fridge the, and what's in that, you know, so people are like, oh, well, I have that brand. So let me go check and da, sure. da, 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 and let me find out, you know. And so it's, it's a way to really, you know, resonate with the average person who doesn't have time to research all these different chemicals. Yeah. And, you know, some people are not going to like my approach. Mm -hmm. I understand that. But I also know that my approach has had a tremendous impact. Yes. And it's starting to wake up food companies for the better. The amount of food companies that changed last year was insane. And they're doing commercials talking about the changes <laughs> they're making, which I thought was insane. Yeah. I mean, the fact that McDonald's had to hire the guy from Mythbusters to talk about the ingredients in their food in a very open way is a huge change in transparency. I mean, wow. it's still unfortunate that you in the United States, McDonald's French fries has 19 ingredients here and only four in the UK. I mean, those other it's just 15, potato. What else could it be? Right, right. right. <laughs> those other 15 ingredients we really don't need. Right. Um, but you know, things are changing. And um, unfortunately, there's certain people that want the status quo to stay the same. They're threatened by this message of change. They feel threatened maybe in their work. And I don't know about your friend specifically. He yeah. could be a food scientist or yeah. someone who's developing these chemicals mm. um, or could be employed by one of these food companies. I haven't talked um, to him in a long time, but I just saw a comment. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. You know, or he could have been influenced by some of the factions online that really are – 
are working mm-hmm. to try to destroy my name yeah. and destroy my character. And, you know, the thing is, is I'm a normal everyday person. Mm-hmm. I'm a citizen journalist speaking out. You know, who is he supporting? Is he saying that the food industry is right mm-hmm. is for, for using certain ingredients here and not in other countries for hiding certain facts about their food? I, you know, no one can argue with that. And that's what's so encouraging for me is that when I think about the work that I'm doing, I know I'm on the right side of the debate. There are two sides to the debate. Yeah, they're the people that want the status quo to say the same, and then they're the people that want change. Mm -hmm. I'm on the change side, and I'm leading the Food Babe Army that way to change the food industry for the better because we have to change it. Mm -hmm. The astronomical rates of cancer, heart disease, autoimmune disorders, ADHD, autism, neurological disorders, is through learning the roof. disorders, all sorts of things. Yeah, it's through the roof. We have to do something, mm. and that's all I'm asking. And it, and if the people who speak out against me, if they just use some of that energy, some of that time, and maybe for positive change for positive change, that would really mm. be a good message to yeah. have. I mean, I just think about the, some of the people who spend all day fighting me and, and writing nasty things about me, and. I just think about like, you know, the food industry has spent so much time and money on these inventions and the science to make their bottom line richer. What if they use that energy and attention and that science to make us healthier? Mm-hmm. And when we look at these inventions, they aren't making us healthier. Yeah. There are brand new chemical substances that have been introduced into the food supply very recently, in the last 30 years. I mean, think about it. Congress, when they gave the FDA authority to regulate food additives, there was only 800. Now there's 10,000. And the FDA has admitted they don't know the amount of chemicals the American public is being exposed to, and they know that they can't safeguard us. They admitted this. So we have a huge issue. We need to speak up. And How does someone join the Food Babe Army then? easy. <laughs> what do uh, I do? Come over to foodbabe.com, sign up for uh, email updates. I will, you're indoctrinated into the Food Babe Army. <laughs> I'll give you all the resources. I'll send you my top posts right away so that you can get up to speed mm-hmm. and just start learning about the food industry. And I think, you know, this information is really going to change the yeah, world. Yeah. I really feel that way. And Mark Hyman in this book, Dr. Mark Hyman, who's a dear who friend, wrote the forward. who wrote the forward, in the forward he says, if everyone were to follow the Food Babe Way eating plan, the food industry as we know it would crumble. Because they want to be able to, because people want to be buying those foods, so they want to be able to survive. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. So sign up with the newsletter, join the Food Babe Army. Two final questions. Um, before I ask you the last couple of questions, I want to acknowledge you for your voice, Fonny, and for risk taking. You are one of the biggest risk takers I know, and I know lots of risky entrepreneurs who take risks in business, but you are risking something much bigger. And I acknowledge you for having the courage to use your voice in a positive way and continue to have the courage every day with people attacking you. I think it's really powerful what you're up to, and I want to acknowledge you for that, so thank you. Thank you. Um, what are you most grateful for recently in your life? Oh, it's an easy one. So I, I get asked a lot, um, you know, what is the f- biggest accomplishment you've had, you know? And they expect me to say, like, a food company, like, uh-huh. oh, I got Chick-fil-A to go antibiotic for you, or I yeah. did this, or I did that, or, or the Food Babe Army got this company to do that. It's not even about that. 
And I tell you, uh, we said it earlier that your family is the hardest to change. Mm-hmm. And recently, my brother, who um, you know was really resistant to my message, was very skeptical of my message um, and my way of life, has started to make some changes, some positive changes, some of the habits in the food babe way. And he's lost weight, looks so good, wow. looks better than I've ever seen him, uh-huh. and literally just knocked my socks off last time I saw him wow. and seeing him so healthy and vibrant and happy has been like I, I don't know I'm speechless about it no that's really cool so. very cool final question what's your definition of greatness letting go of fear so you can be who you really need to be honey hi thanks for coming on I appreciate you make sure everyone checks out the food babe way and I'll have it all linked up over on my website so thank you so much for coming on thank you Willis Thanks so much for checking out and listening to this episode. If this is your first time on the School of Greatness podcast, thank you so much for being here. It really means a lot to me. In every episode, it seems like we gain new uh, individuals listening from all over the world, and I'm just uh, so grateful and blessed and thankful. A couple things you can do. Make sure to check out lewishouse.com slash 136 to get all the show notes from this episode. So we got links to Vani's book. We got links to her website. You can connect with her and see what she's up to for her book launch and all these other good things that's going on with Vani. Again, make sure to go to lewishouse.com slash 136 to get the show notes for this one. And also, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast. If you're on your iPhone or an Android, wherever you're listening to this, subscribe in that player. Again, we're on Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn, all these other podcast places. Make sure to subscribe. Please leave us a review if you enjoyed this. And the best way to get the word out is to share this episode with one friend. So again, it's lewishouse.com slash 136. If you enjoyed this specific episode, make sure to share it with a friend and let them know that you loved it. We've got a lot of incredible guests coming up here in the next couple of weeks. We've got Marie Forleo coming on. We've got Jack Canfield and some epic guests as well. Some great celebrities coming on that you're going to really enjoy. So make sure to subscribe. Keep checking out the School of Greatness. You guys know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. Are you still listening to this episode? If so, it's because you love the music that much. I know. We've got a playlist for some of the music. I'll make sure to put the link out somewhere at some time so you guys can get this playlist. But for those that are looking to take their business and their lifestyle to the next level, I've got something extremely exciting for you guys. It's called the School of Greatness Academy, and it's coming out this month. You're going to want to make sure to get signed up on the wait list at School of greatness.com. That's school of greatness.com. It's a six month extensive mastermind program with some of the top entrepreneurs in the world. We've got people from, I think, over 16 different countries now. 
and it's all about building your business and the lifestyle of your dreams. So if you're up for a game like that, if you're up for changing certain things that you're not happy with, if you wanna take your business to the next level and optimize your lifestyle, then this is for you. Make sure to check out and sign up at schoolofgreatness.com for more. You guys are incredible. Make it an amazing day today. Love you guys. Peace.